There is no one size fits all fail safe approach to pricing, but there are principles to keep in mind. So as you do the work to understand the pricing landscape your learning business operates in, three principles will help guide your efforts. Pricing primes perception, prices drive profit, and pricing is strategic. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. We preach that learning businesses need to focus on reach, revenue, and impact to be successful, and pricing is a key factor in revenue. Learning businesses rely on the revenue that comes from introducing new educational offerings or the revenue that comes from getting better sales from existing offerings. And that means that we, as learning business professionals, we have to know how to determine the best pricing, the best pricing for attracting and converting prospective customers, and the best pricing for maintaining and even maximizing revenue levels. So in today's episode, number 394, we want to touch on three principles of pricing that can help your learning business in setting or revisiting prices for your educational offerings. And those three principles are prices prime perception, prices drive profit, and pricing is strategic. So let's dive in with that first principle and talk about prices prime perception. and. Our argument here is that pricing really heavily influences how someone perceives whatever it is that they're going to buy. And as buyers, we aren't as rational as we might like to believe that we are in how we make our purchasing decisions. We're influenced by any number of factors that are unrelated to how much an item actually costs to make. And so pricing, is one of those factors, but there are other things that also influence our perception. Yeah, so, you know, things like brand, you know, the way the product looks, what our peers think about the product, how it compares to competing products or or other points of reference that we bring to the table. But price is a big factor. I mean, basically, when we see a price, we're using that to make a judgment about that product that we're considering purchasing. A very simple example of this are the name brand knockoffs, right? If you see a Louis Vuitton bag for $20, you know, your immediate thought isn't, oh, that's a good deal. That's a good bargain. And you're like, no, that's a knockoff. That's not a, a real thing. Right. You know, because the real Louis Vuitton is you know, something special. And when you see the, well, heck, I don't even know how much a Louis Vuitton bag actually <laughs> costs. I just know it's very expensive and people see that price and it becomes something special you know, in in my mind, almost just because of the price, because you're paying a lot of money for it. And when you carry that bag, people know you've paid a lot of money for it. And so the critical point for you, dear listener, is that when you're involved in setting prices, you have the ability to influence how learners and potential customers respond to and perceive the products that you're offering based on the price that you ascribe to those things, the price tag that you put on them. That's going to actually influence those buyers' perception of what you're offering. And we see this happen all the time. I mean, you know, just as a general rule, all things being equal, a higher price point is going to be associated with, you know, a a higher value or a higher end product than a lower price point is. And you can think just about the, the world of automobiles. I mean, you know, we're all 
familiar with cars and the, the car market out there to, to some extent. We happen to be in the market for a car right now. So we've been you know, looking at this rather closely and we've always been fans of Hondas. In, in the past, very reliable standard cars. So, you know, one car we're considering looking at is a 2024 Honda Accord. And the suggested retail price on that, that, you know, MSRP they tell you about is around $28,000 just for sort of the standard, you know, baseline Honda Accord. Now, if you look at a 2024 BMW 5 Series sedan, which would be kind of, you know, you see pictures of these two cars next to each other. They don't look terribly different. You can tell they're sort of in the same general class of car um, or type of car that somebody might be looking for in a sedan. But the BMW, the MSRP on that, that, that sort of baseline price is $61,000. And you know, you can tell me all you want to about German engineering and how superior it is. But is there really, you know, that thirty plus thousand dollar level of cost difference justified in those prices? No, that price is really part of the perception of BMW as, you know, that ultimate driving machine and that brand. And you just have this feeling, you know, when you're paying sixty one thousand dollars that you're paying for something that's more special, that's a higher value product that you're getting. Yeah, and I think that part of why people will spend more on something like a BMW versus a, a Honda is because that's how they perceive of themselves. Mm -hmm. They see themselves as someone who drives a BMW, who has a nice car. And, you know, for them, the, you know, the Honda isn't just going to be nice enough. So again, it gets back to perception of both sort of the buyer's own values and how they think of themselves. And then also then the perception of that product that is again, heavily influenced by that price tag. And you see this kind of thing, you know, all over the place, like, you know, coffee back in the day, you used to be able to get a cup of coffee for, you know, 50 cents or a dollar. And then Starbucks came along and just sort of changed the perception of coffee. And there were a lot of things that went into that, but price was one of the things that went into that. And it's suddenly acceptable, you know, to pay four or five bucks for that sort of coffee experience you get from Starbucks. Or you think about wine, you know, and the, the, the sort of cheap bottle of wine versus the high-end bottle of wine that you, you know, paying $10 for one and 70 for the other. And the, and the fact is most of us can't really taste the difference. In fact, most experts can't really even taste the difference. There's research to, to show this, but that price does something for you psychologically. And of course, you may not be thinking about your learning products as, you know, BMWs or fine bottles of wine or Starbucks cups of coffee, but the same principles apply. So here's a place where we would invite you to do some reflection. We invite you to pause, maybe literally pause the podcast and think about what you know about how your products and services are perceived. Are they perceived as high value, high end? Are they perceived as good value? Think about what you know about how your offerings are perceived. And then think about what you might be able to do to change that perception to positively impact the value perception, which would then, of course, allow you to potentially raise your prices. And of course, raising the price in the first place is one of the ways to change those value perceptions. Just by changing the price, keeping all else as it is, you're going to influence how people think about your products. Now, of course, you don't want to do that if your value isn't actually commensurate with that price point. But our experience is that most learning businesses are in fact charging less than they should for the value they're delivering. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, 
connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you are looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. So we've talked about really the psychological aspect of pricing when we said that price is prime perception. The next principle that we want to talk about is how price is in fact one of the strongest levers you have for profitability. Prices drive profit. When it comes to selling products or services, there are three key variables that impact your net revenue. Volume, cost, and price. And out of those three, price is by far the most powerful when it comes to the impact that changing it can have on your net revenue. So let's take a simple example, and we're going to wade into the realm of trying to do math over audio here, but we'll try to keep it simple so that folks can follow along and, and hopefully get the point that we're making, even if you can't completely follow the math. So let's say you have a self-paced online course that you're charging learners $100 for. And again, we're picking 100 because it's a nice round number for trying to do some verbal math. So let's say you sell 100 of those $100 online courses. That brings $10,000 into your learning business. Now let's say that out of that $100 price for the course, $90 of it goes to your costs, so your learning management system, your course creation tools, your subject matter, expert time, et cetera, et cetera. So $10 of the $100 price tag is profit. And now say you increase the price by 10%. So the price goes from $100 to $110 per enrollment. Your costs are the same, so that extra $10 in the price goes straight to profit. So you go from making $10 per course enrollment or $1,000 in profit to $20 per enrollment or $2,000 in profit. So basically, you've doubled your profit. So that was a 10% increase in price. What about a 10% increase in volume? So let's follow this scenario down this line and say that the price for the course stays at the original $100, but instead of selling 100 of them, you sell 110 course enrollments. So that brings $11,000 into your learning business, but the profit is still just $10 per enrollment. So instead of bringing in the original 1,000 in profit, now you're bringing in $1,100 in profit. That's only $100 more in profit with a 10% increase in volume versus the $1,000 more with that 10% price increase. So we can see that uh, pricing is more powerful than volume increases. We won't attempt the verbal math to walk you through the changes in cost as that involves uh, usually both fixed and variable costs. And it can be a little hard to follow verbally, so we won't challenge you anymore as far as that goes. But trust us that if you're going to change any of those three factors, price, volume, or cost, price is by far the most powerful one to change. Your exact results will, of course, vary based on your current prices, your current volume, your current costs. 
But at the bare minimum, this should give you some food for thought to really be thinking about, okay, what can we potentially do around price increases? You know, selling more, refining your processes to cut back on costs. Those are both great goals, admirable goals. But again, the takeaway point is that they're not going to mean as big a change in net revenue as increasing price. There's even research that's shown that a 1% increase in price will increase profit by around 11%. So think about that. If you're thinking about whether to raise prices, you don't actually have to raise prices by very much, just a percent or two, to actually have a significant impact over time. You may be able to get good results with a, a price raise that your learners are barely even going to notice. Now, on the flip side, if you're going to discount to provide an incentive for bulk purchases of your products, for example, you need to make sure that you've done the math. Is the purchase volume that you're requiring for a given discount going to be enough to make up for whatever you're going to lose in profit? So make sure that you're analyzing the way that price works relative to your net margins and your underlying costs both those fixed costs and those variable costs. Yeah, because you know price is a powerful lever in both directions. And if you cut price and think you're going to make it up on volume, often that doesn't actually work out. You don't get the increased volume that you need to actually make that happen. And you need to look at, as you said, Salisa, how underlying costs, both fixed and variable, play out in your different types of learning products. You know, your self-paced online learning, for example might have variable costs that are really close to zero. I mean, once you've got a unit of that produced, you can keep selling it and selling it without really adding many more costs to it. On the other end, you know, high touch facilitated in-person learning tends to have smaller margins because you might, you know, have food and beverage tied into that or you're paying for that subject matter expert to fly in and be there in the workshop all day long. So those tend to maybe have higher variable costs and smaller margins. So Again, the takeaway is just to really be aware of the risks when you're thinking about discounting and making sure that you really do have a clear view of what those discounts are going to mean in terms of your profit. Yeah, definitely understand both your upsides and your downsides. And just in general, you know, you need to understand what drives profit in, in one direction or the other. I know we have a lot of people listening who are at nonprofit businesses, most learning businesses are going to be very, you know, mission driven or in many cases nonprofit and so they may not be thinking about maximizing net revenue or profit, but you know, at the same time we all understand that the revenue that we're bringing in through our educational products can be reinvested whether it's into, you know, more educational products, better educational products, or into other parts of the organization that the learning business is a part of. And so, you know, that, that's a reason to think about pricing. It's a reason to think about profit and, and really understand how these different dynamics work. So we've talked about the first two principles that pricing primes perception and that prices drive profit. That brings us to our third principle, which is pricing is strategic. And that may sound a little flip uh, to, to say that, but the fact is pricing often is not strategic. We witness in organizations that, you know, you go out and you make a product and you decide at the end of the day, you know, once the product is completely built and ready to go, how you're going to price it. But that's really not the way it should work. It should be something that's really built into 
well, the decision to even make the product in the first place, and then how you make the product, what it actually is in the end, all of that should be built in as part of the overall product strategy. And if we think about some typical strategic objectives that a learning business might have, we can take some of those off and think about then how pricing can influence those. So if you think about, for example, market penetration, maybe your goal is to go as deeply as possible into the market that you serve with your product or service. Maybe you have a goal of market share. So maybe you want to claim as much market share as you can, maybe even get some of what your competitors currently have. So market penetration, market share, those are common strategic objectives. I will say sometimes those concepts can be a little confusing. So just to be you know, a clear in unpacking the market penetration is the percentage of your target market that you sell to during a given time period. So let's say you serve ophthalmologists in the US, you might be looking to hit an 85% penetration mark. So 85% of those ophthalmologists are buying your education. Market share is a slightly different view of it. You know, So you look at your market's total value. And so if education offerings for ophthalmologists is a $50 million market or, or whatever, then you might want to get the majority of that 50 million, but that's regardless of how many individual ophthalmologists you serve. But again, market penetration, market share, both of those are common objectives, and both of those tie to pricing. Um, again, penetration, you might think lower prices are going to help me you know, sell to more people, for example. Right. And they're both things that you think about at the beginning, you know, as you're thinking about actually building out whatever the offering is. And it's, it's going to influence th- those objectives are going to influence your cost. They're going to influence your design and they're going to influence your price. They, they should play a, a direct role in, in how you're going to price and, of course, how you're going to price all of these things influence each other. You know, your pricing is going to influence your volume, how you're able to price is going to influence what you can afford to invest in a product. All of these things have to be thought about at the beginning, not at the end, when you decide to tack a price onto whatever it is you've created. I mean, other strategic factors that you would keep in mind when you're deciding to create a product as you're creating a product and thinking about the pricing all along, one would be positioning. Pricing can really influence the positioning of your products or your organization. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier around pricing, priming perception. You know, pricing is a powerful positioning tool. Are are you going to be creating premium or exclusive offerings that might have that high price to them? Is that how you're going to position them? Are you going to be more of the the middle of the range, go-to source? That also is going to influence how you think about pricing. Are you going to be the, the the low cost, you know, beat all prices, all of your CME for life for $300 sort of provider? That's all positioning. It's all strategic and it's all prices wrapped up in all of it. And differentiation. That's another strategic objective that you want to think about as you're developing products, as you're pricing them. Price can signal a lot about your product. You know, if you have a $3,000 course on ethics, if someone's looking at that and then they also see on another site a 1999 ethics video, that tells them something about the difference in in the products, the difference in the experience, or at least sets a certain expectation there. And if you're actually able to sell a $3,000 course on ethics, then we want to <laughs> we want to know know your secrets. But the point is, I mean, any of these, market penetration, market share, positioning, differentiation and there can be other strategic factors as well these are big ones you know that that relate to pricing but all of them take 
into account much more information than what the simply what the product cost. They, they recognize the actions of competition, the preferences of your customers, and the potential power of your brand. Again, all of this wrapped up in thinking about both your products and their pricing strategically. So how you manage your prices, that's inherently linked to how you manage your strategy, or at least it should be uh, in our book. And it's gonna tie into how you achieve your objectives. So maybe just a, a fun little example that we have sort of in our, our pricing, pricing stories portfolio <laughs> that we could put out there. Yeah, so there's this Barclay Prime Steakhouse in Philadelphia. We've never been, but you know, it's a steakhouse in a major city. So we're assuming that there's a lot of competition. There are a lot of other steakhouses in Philly, we're gonna guess. So one way that Barclay Prime has chosen to stand out is that they've taken a well-known Philly tradition, the Philly cheesesteak, and then they've created this ultra premium version of it. So it's hand-cut Wagyu beef, it's got black truffle, it got foie gras, and it comes with a half bottle of champagne. So it's this like high-end premium version of a Philly cheesesteak. And it's priced at $140, $140 for a Philly cheesesteak. $140 for a Philly cheesesteak. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, this makes it, it makes it kind of a novelty, but this offering it is also very much in keeping with the image that the restaurant wants to present and how it wants to differentiate itself in the marketplace. So there's positioning and there's differentiation going on there and pricing is helping to, to do both of those things. It's not just another steakhouse. It's a place where you're going to be able to get exotic, different, high-end things like this specialized Philly cheesesteak. And this menu, well, it, it's created a tremendous amount of word of mouth for this you know particular offering, which actually sells really well, this $140 cheesesteak. And so, yeah, you, you know, it attracts people who want to be able to say they've had the experience of the $140 Philly cheesesteak. I mean, it's also a strategic move in which price played uh, a really big role. It helps to position Barclay as this high-end, premium, different-than-the-others kind of, of steakhouse. And then another effect that it has, and this is an important one in, in pricing, kind of goes to that sort of psychological end of it, is that you know, that high price for a cheesesteak sandwich creates what's called an anchoring effect. So people are fascinated by that, you know, this, this kind of product with a $140 price tag on it. And, you know, once they have that $140 price tag in mind, 60 or 70 bucks for a filet mignon seems like a, a really good deal. Yeah, it does. You know, suddenly you're like, sure, I'll have two filet mignons, <laughs> right? Um, but, uh, you know, another thing that's also at work here is the magnet effect. So when you have that anchor of $140, that higher price product, it tends to allow you to raise the price of other related products. So if you put something out there at the high end, it's going to give you the potential for raising the prices of some of your lower priced products without it really being perceived as a big deal. So we have the anchoring effect and we also have the magnet effect at work. So you can think about the impact of having some very high-end premium education products on your menu, uh, really, your, your catalog. 
you know, what impact would that have? You know, where might you be able to carve out some things that are high priced, that have an impact, that are that are going to change the anchoring that people have around your pricing, that are going to change the perception of all your products and potentially give you that magnet effect that can then pull up some of your lower priced offerings to higher price tags. I mean, we're talking about doing this with a Philly cheesesteak, but the exact same thing can be applied to any type of product or service. And, you know, we're encouraging you to apply it to yours. So there isn't one single formula for setting prices, but there are some levers, there are some principles like the three that we covered today that we think can help learning businesses. And pricing is always going to be subject to your particular situation, uh, of course, the context that a particular product exists in, and the expectations that buyers are bringing to the table. So you'll have to do the legwork. You have to put in the effort to make sure that you understand the environment in which you work. But referring back to these three principles can help you better understand pricing. There is no one-size-fits-all, fail-safe approach to pricing, but there are principles to keep in mind. So as you do the work to understand the pricing landscape your learning business operates in, three principles will help guide your efforts. Pricing primes perception, prices drive profit, and pricing is strategic. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 394, you'll find show notes, a transcript, and options for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe so we can get some data on the impact of the podcast. And we'd be grateful if you'd take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Salise and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one -on -one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 394, you'll find links to connect with us on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. <laughs>